This podcast includes explicit language and situations. It is intended for adults 18 years of age and older. These thoughts and opinions are not those of any specific group, employer, or individual. Listener discretion is advised. From the Spade and Archer Studios, welcome to Behind the Yard Sign with your hosts, Justin Reardon and Kelly Hannah. Kelly and Hanahan, welcome back. It's episode 17. We are so lucky to have Presida Kemp, and she is from Numinous Creative, and she has this awesome program for real estate agents, and we thought it would be a sin for our listeners not to know about her services. So welcome. How are you? Thank you. I'm so well. Yeah, no, welcome to you. We're so excited to have you. We got connected um, as our regular listeners. You know, we have millions of listeners, by the way. Um, our millions of <laughs> listeners. No. She's so funny. Say another one. Say another one. <laughs> we talk a lot about marketing and a lot of other things that go into marketing. So thank you so much for being with us. I'm thrilled because this is totally my jam. So yeah. talking about this for a whole episode just makes me so excited. So why don't we just start at the very beginning and you are the owner of your company and why don't you tell us exactly what your company does? Yeah, so. So Numinous is a full-service social media management and content creation agency, and we do a lot of branding as well. We work with clients that are in real estate design and architecture, mostly helping them get their story online, wherever wherever it is that they want it to be, whether that's LinkedIn or YouTube or you know on their website. We do the it gram. all. Has anyone hit you up yet to like, you know what? I really want to be a smash on TikTok. Has anyone ever said that to you yet? You know what? I kind of <laughs> wish. You know, I was hesitant about the whole TikTok thing at first, but. But the Same. viral nature of it is very captivating. I've, I've had uh, some questions like, is this real? Should I be doing Instagram reels? So, but no serious right. inquiries yet. Not yeah, yet. I know. I hope that it will transition similarly to how Instagram did, which is over time, it became much more built for business and to drive traffic and all of that. Totally. Well, it is a huge traffic driver. And I think a lot of real estate people especially are doing smashing job at TikTok. Mm-hmm. Just so interesting. There's a lot of interesting content out there so I think as long as you can funnel to maybe a different place I don't know that people are necessarily contacting you through TikTok saying hey sell my house but (laughs) it's a good driver so yeah I I hope so too so is Vine is to TikTok as MySpace is to Facebook yeah I would say so I think I think TikTok's going to be around for a while like Vine Vine was great and I think maybe there was there was just kind of a branding issue going on there who knows but yeah I think TikTok personally is gonna be around for a lot longer yeah. TikTok is yeah. the best thing that happened to me in 2020 it it's does adorable. its job it does it really does saying that TikTok is the best thing that happened to you in 2020 is like saying that's the world's tallest little person like <laughs> this is not a huge feat I mean it was a kind of crappy yeah. year <laughs> you know, it isn't exactly a compliment that's all Which I'm saying why I needed it for <laughs> my soul so much what was the background that led you to want to work specifically with real estate agents and other kind of professions it was like a many paths lead to rome type situation i was mm-hmm. born and raised in portland i love portland no matter like where i've gone in the world i always just think this is just a fantastic home. Um, I went to school at Portland State University and I got my master's there. And I also did a lot of professional photography. I was a professional photographer, have been for about seven years now and a project manager and eventually sort of funneled this direction. The real estate aspect of that, I kind of like unintentionally grew up in real estate. Both my mom and dad were in it to some capacity. My mom professionally, my dad sure. was a landlord around North Portland and 
working with the University of Portland. And so I just kind of grew up around it. Like my summers were spent mm-hmm. renovating houses and being dragged from, you know, property cool. to property. And like I had my first pair of like little handy gloves at like six or seven years old and, <laughs> you know, my my hard toed shoes and stuff. So I never thought that I would end up working proximate to real estate really ever. In fact, I'm sure for like a lot of my younger years, I resisted it. For yeah, that, no, that I don't reason. want to. Something yeah. new anything but this anything else I resisted it entirely but you know the apple I suppose doesn't fall far and I think just the culmination of all of the strengths that I learned over a lifetime really just led me here um but I didn't want to compromise on on my creative pursuits and you know I have a lot of love for a lot of creative aspects of work and and so I think it just ended up being this great amalgamation of skills that brought me to social media just an amazing platform that allows you to do so so much it is one of those things too that real estate agents real estate agents are so busy doing real estate that it's like oh wait, let's just pile one more thing onto their plate and have yeah. them run social media full-time i mean we're a company of 24 and we have one person full-time dedicated yep. to just doing our mm-hmm. social media and it's a lot when you're an entrepreneur and your own business owner to do that by yourself and so i could see how that could be a, a service that's in high demand uh social media is a, is a developed industry now there is rules and jobs and um, departments dedicated to it now and there's a lot of involvement that can go in in any aspect and a lot of the platforms they demand that amount of work really in order to get that message out appropriately so so it is a lot for someone to take on by themselves and I think everybody mm-hmm. could use a little bit of support and that's what I found early on too was and even today clients typically come to us and they're just like I just can't and don't want to do this on my own this is not a part of like I understand and I want to create that client experience but I'm busy you know giving my clients like a really really custom service and a really hands-on service I can't also spend that much time doing social media something that we get asked all the time or at least when I get connected to some agents sometimes is they you know I get the sense that they really have no idea where to start and they might have a like a loose understanding they don't they don't have the skill set yet but they're like I'd like to do this myself or I have no interest in touching this myself when you get in there and you get your hands on the client do you help them i'm sure with their brand because of course you can't do anything on social media without knowing what their brand is but do you do that and then let them go and run it themselves or do you actually if they need you to we'll run it for them as well there's a lot of ways that we interface with clients some people do really want to own it and i i usually tell all my clients in their discovery call like if it comes to a point where you really feel like you can own this and you want to take that and run with it like i will consider you having graduated and that's great that's what we can provide is the foundation for you there are clients who come to us and they just want us to do a part of it or help them set up and so we'll do things like help okay. you build a strategy or a content calendar or get your work or- organized to integrate social into your systems or we we also have clients and we take on clients who just want us to do everything from sure. you know from even we'll go on site and help you film your videos if you want to or okay we can do batching sessions and this is a really great tool for anybody listening I would really recommend that you batch your content which is basically creating a system around what it is that you want to talk about and then going to create uh, going to actually create either the visual assets or whatever it is that you're going to pair with your captions and hashtags eventually so say for example you are a um, like sort of a hybrid lifestyle real estate brand and you know that you want to talk about personal things you know you love talking about 
Portland breweries or great hikes around town or and you know that your client is also interested in that thing you'll sit down and you'll apply some strategies some content pillars you'll say okay I know that in the next month or two I'm going to talk about a through z and then once you've decided that you go out and create the content for that instead of retroactively trying to search your phone and say, oh my gosh, I think this po- photo will pair well with this caption, etc." cetera. Because mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. that can take a lot of time, a lot of emotional energy, and you right. just wind up so burnt out. So it's just a system of being like proactive with your what you create. I've even seen clients get into their own shame cycle. They're like, oh, I need to post today, but now I don't know what to post and I'm freaking out and what's the right thing to do and to the point where they resent the process and just put it down and like then they don't post again for like two weeks and you're like, no. Yeah, Yeah, I think that happens actually a lot. Like I think everybody probably has had a moment like that, myself included. Like Mm -hmm. it is the shame game and that spiral is, is, is really hard to get out of. So this sort of helps prevent that or teaches a more productive and proactive cycle and you end up liking social a lot more after you learn how to interface with it the number one question that i get from other entrepreneurs and business people is how the hell did you find kelly because our social media presence is flipping beautiful like we do a fantastic job i can say that because i'm not in charge of it but in going through that interview process i think we had 150 resumes and we interviewed i think it was like 20 25 people everybody who has a phone is like i'm a social media specialist and so knowing a term like you know sometimes your your favorite batching system might be a really good filter to Mm -hmm. find out like if this person actually knows what the hell they're doing i had one woman who was like you should just quote ariana grande all the time on your social media platform i was like why do we do that and she was like well millennials love it and i'm like okay you don't you have any idea who we are when you hire people how do you differentiate between jill blackberry and somebody who actually knows what the hell they're doing on social media so i like to have it be sort of my hiring process is like pretty hands-on um and i've got a great team it took a long time to realize like in particular, there's importance around strategy. There's so many elements. And the thing about social media is you have to be quite well-rounded in a lot of ways. Your writing has to be strong. Your visual, like uh, your aesthetic uh, acuity has to be really strong. Trends are important, but you also have to have a sensitivity around how you want to interface with all of the trends that there are in the internet to interface with, right? When hiring my team, it was like very, very hands-on. A lot of examples. A lot of people in this industry also have portfolio and a lot of long conversations around the principles that they brought to social media as well. Um, I think also for our team, personality fit was such a huge thing because I think social media, even though there's so much to know, the nice part about it is that it is all out there for you to access on the internet. If you have a mind for curiosity and there's nothing that you can't learn, um, nothing that is exclusive learning per se. So personality was a large part of it because I think with my team like as long as we're all there with the right desire to be there then we can learn anything. Given that real estate is an industry that quote anyone can do or join Mm. right a lot of different people are going to come to you and not have any idea what they should look like or sound like because they're either comparing themselves to other people that are very different than them even though they're in the same industry and you know real estate office to real estate office is completely 
completely different. A Keller Williams in Portland is completely different than a Keller Williams in Los Angeles because we're in Portland, Seattle, and Los Angeles. Like everything's so different and they might be so completely confused on what mm-hmm. they quote should be mm-hmm. when they come to you. So how do you even help a new real estate agent come up with their brand and how do you how do you define their brand with them? It is a journey. I think especially in real estate, one of the major stigmas that people come to the table with is that stigma around what it means to be a professional realtor <laughs> and what professionalism looks like and can look like. I think Portland presents such an interesting opportunity to sort of push back against that in particular because it's a very unique brands are concerned and authentic brands are concerned. Portland is a very receptive community to those and almost can like sort of smell you out when you're not really those things. So yeah, there's a client that I have that's a great example of this who came to the table and had all of these beautiful examples of different brands that they really admired and and loved was struggling so much with how to match that with what they felt what the professional aspect of that they felt that they had to bring to the table like were they like does my entire brand and online presence need to be navy blue did I ask you that question? Yeah, I mean, a lot of people do. Like, what are our colors? Or am I allowed to be funny? Or, you know, can I cuss on the internet? Or like all of these different questions, right? And my philosophy on that is, you know, a brand is an experience and that's yours to design. And you're not here to talk to everyone, which is also another like really hard conversation to Mm -hmm. have with people is you're not here to talk with everyone. And to be honest with you, some people are more receptive to that than others some people are ready to hear that and some people are not and so it that's what kind of drives what the process looks like it may be three months down the line you finally I finally have a client coming to me and being like you're right I don't want to work with that later age really conservative person who I don't know scared to go outside or whatever you know like that's not my audience and I'm like Mm -hmm. you're right you're right not everybody is your audience a pigeonhole or a niche can be a great thing for you so it can be such a hard thing during our initial consultation speech when I used to go out and like talk to every single client there was a point during that speech when I would talk about allergies to cats and I would mention my husband being allergic to cats which is my way of coming out during every single interview that I did because I really wasn't interested in working with people who didn't like gay people if you don't like gay Mm -hmm. people you're not my people and I had a real estate agent ask me can you leave that part out of your speech Mm. and I very politely said no I will not not be who I am in order to work with your client. If your client doesn't like who I am, I don't want to help them make hundreds of extra thousands of dollars. I don't want to be with that person. And mm-hmm. it's really hard to like buckle down and be like, these are the things I'm unwilling to bend on. I just can't do it. Sorry. It is very, very hard. And it's always such a great sign of success, I think, when someone comes to me and they're like, okay, I'm ready to own this hashtag. Like, I'm ready to, like, engage with these businesses that I know are aligned with mine. Like, you know, especially if they push the boundaries. I'm so happy when that happens because you you can't please everyone. You have to let people go. And that's how you wind up. In everything we do, we're trying to shift people towards what they ideally want their business to be X number of years down the line. And mm-hmm. I ask people, are you happy with the clients that you're serving? Are you happy selling at the price point that you're selling? Like, are you happy selling in the neighborhood you're selling? You know, our job is to to shift those messages to create that ideal space for you and your business. And so I always think that that's such a huge sign of success when somebody's like, they're ready. They're ready to niche down. It's great. 
When I do marketing exercises with people and like find your top three or five people that you've ever served that you love working with and they loved working with you mm-hmm. and like let's create that, you know, client avatar. Yeah. Like let's give her a name. Where does she buy her shoes? What does she read? Mm-hmm. What does she do at night? When, you know, what are her pain points? All the things, right? Yeah. Then you're speaking to the right person when you're doing a piece of marketing collateral, you're writing an email newsletter, you're writing a social media post, whatever you're talking to that avatar and you name her mm-hmm. Colleen or whatever her name is, right? Mm-hmm. But I think when agents start out, they are just just like networking with the people that they know and it could be the neighbor across the street who are that mm-hmm. older more conservative pair or it's yeah. like their super hippie crunchy musician next door neighbor or it's like their mom's third cousin from wherever and yeah. so in the beginning they're serving people who do not barely overlap any demographics mm-hmm. and I think mm-hmm. they get scared to niche down because they're so deal to deal to get launched does the luxury of being able to niche come with time for them I don't know. I think it's it, it can be case by case. I think at first it, it comes from that sort of like scrappy, I need to build my business place. And that is important. And the important part about it is that you don't know what you want until you know what you don't want. I'm at fault for this too. When we first started Numinous, we explored like different verticals of industry, you know, uh, a lot of different verticals. And, and there were some that we enjoyed and we had to go through all of the rough clients to build the backbone that we now have in our business to be able to build the list of red flags. So I can't discredit that experience because I know that that was how I learned and I it is perhaps a learning style. And it is a, perhaps a sign of business this maturity when you can finally say, okay, I have learned enough of the no's to know what my yeses are. I I don't directly ever discourage people from saying, no, you need to niche down. You can't just be general. Like, but I think it's a, it's a relationship over time that's built. That's like, okay, did you really like that experience? Is that something that you want to repeat is once enough to learn that lesson. So I think, I think it's an ongoing conversation for sure. For years, we would take on clients that we knew within minutes, this is not our person and now when they do that i'm like yeah we're probably not the person for you you know if you're asking me for a third time to discount my prices in one Mm -hmm. conversation i've already said no to you twice you're probably not my person like yeah yeah, we're not on the same page and i love it when people somebody's like hey can you do another awesome photographer that's incredibly cheap well do you want it to be cheaper do you want to look good like pick one or the other because you don't get both like this doesn't happen it took a long time to learn that and i think it's it's a good lesson for everybody to learn it's it's a rough one though you know because of that I think people enter business and probably enter their social media trying to fake it till you make it which is something that Justin and I talk about on this podcast a lot when people Mm -hmm. get started because you know a lot of our listeners are brand new agents or thinking about getting started or any of that and so how do you coach them through how to create a social media presence inside of that imposter syndrome issue I think you know fake it till you make it it's an interesting mechanism and it's almost like a survival mechanism right it's like it's hard for you to accept that that something that you really really love so you almost overcompensate until Mm. it feels authentic and so a lot of the clients that we work with come to us with a lot of imposter syndrome and that's the very first thing that we deal with you're not going to feel confident in your messaging at all until until you 
feel like you're allowed to say what you're here to say. And sometimes, and in a lot of the circumstances, really all we kind of all need is somebody to sit across from us and say, you are allowed to say this. You are, you are allowed to say this. You are knowledgeable. You have been studying this for years. You enjoy this. Yeah. If your life was positioned in this direction five years down the line, you'd be ha- the happiest person alive. You know, why do you not deserve this? Because I, I don't think we get that space in a lot of our personal spheres. It's like you're granting them permission for greatness. Yeah. It has to be given to you. Like we just don't automatically generate that. You kind of have to like talk them into the permission. I think we could go like probably hours into the psychology of that. <laughs> I know, like, I know. You know. Yeah, but I, know. I mean, I know I need it. I've benefited sure. so much from coaching type situations and, yep. and things like that. And psychology aside, like sometimes, even especially as we are adults and been through multiple careers or we've lost that space that's more associated with having a teacher or having a mentor in our younger years, perhaps, you know, you still need that person. You need that person at every juncture of your life, whether it's a new business or a business you're wanting to reinvent. You need that person who's sitting across from you saying, you can do this and I'm going to help you do this. Mm -hmm. I'm going to help you do this. You're not going to be alone at all. You can text me, you know, at 3 p.m. on a Friday and say like, did I totally overstep by saying this, blah, blah, blah. And I'm going to sit there and I'm going to tell you, okay, it's okay. It's okay. Nothing that we say, you know, on social media is going to be the death of us. It's going to be okay. You are hilarious. You are a great person and you're doing a great, great job. And so that's a lot more of the work than I thought it was going to be, to be honest with you. Also be honest with you, it's the part of the work that I love the most. And so we actually started our whole like coaching segment of the business based on that. It's, it's great to work with people in that capacity and so important. And it's hard to get anywhere else without moving past that. Wouldn't it be great in Instead of saying fake it till you make it, just saying you made it. Wouldn't it be awesome instead of saying imposter syndrome that you could just say, I have expert syndrome? Wouldn't it be fantastic instead of having an inner saboteur if we had an inner cheerleader? Yeah. That if we were okay with ourselves, how much happier this entire world would be? Because I think because of those three syndromes, we end up taking out our bullshit on everybody else around us constantly. You know, I wish I could tell you that I was that perfect person. I am lucky enough to have a husband that has never questioned me. He's never not believed in me. And so I'm I'm so lucky to have that person and twice the businessman I would have ever been on my own without him. So the next time your inner saboteur says to you, you're not good enough, you're not doing this right, just say, fuck you, rah, rah, shish, boom, bah. I am good enough. My inner cheerleader. Has influencer syndrome been coined yet? I feel like that's the flip of imposter. You can have that. That That one's for free. Mm-hmm. Yes, influencer syndrome. I influencer like it. Great. That's one thing. Getting them to a place where they're confident enough to want to share their message, their personality, their skill set. Then, how do you coach them to maintain that level of authenticity throughout their brand? It is about having a good system in place, but also being really flexible in and responsive to what you're seeing. I mean, social media and all of these platforms, they give us a connection directly to the voice of the people that, you know, you're trying to reach or not if your message isn't landing. You know, there's so much social learning that we can do just by jumping into our space. A brand is a living and breathing thing. You know, you may set down all of these ideas that you have for it and all of these systems and these rules. And then there's the implementation and the experimentation part. I think that 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 takes time and it takes iteration and it takes dedication to build that trust and to build that experience with people. I think regardless of what you say at the beginning, you're gonna learn a lot through the process that 
that, you know, either affirms or disaffirms that. I always tell my clients, you know, you cannot expect immediate results. This is what we are trying to achieve. This is a trust we're trying to build. Think about yourself in these platforms and what it took to get your trust. That's what we're here doing. It's relationship building that we're doing. And it's going to take yeah. time. It's going to take time and patience. <laughs> yeah. It's we're like on dating. episode 17 yeah. yes. of this podcast. Let's just, <laughs> we're on episode 17 of this podcast. <laughs> yeah. Last week, somebody did an instant pricing and on the where did you hear about us they wrote i listened to the podcast and i was like whoa it actually worked we got some of your pricing i mean it takes a lot and we pump out one of these bad boys every 14 Mm -hmm. days yeah like it is a lot of content before Mm -hmm. it actually comes to fruition yeah Yeah. that is so important it is not an overnight social media is not an overnight you know success especially on certain platforms like instagram and facebook that are a little bit more they're a little bit older they're very they're a lot more complex that viral viral content you know it does not happen to people uh, depending on the platform they choose i mean tiktok is kind of it's like own land right now but that won't last forever it It takes work and it takes time and you need to be bernie sanders with a pair of mittens that's how you go viral (laughs) seriously and you just never know (laughs) you never know what it's gonna be so i think that's a note to how responsive you have to be is like okay they they love mittens we're doing mittens you know that's what we're doing but that's the thing is that like once somebody else does it then you're like oh oh my god you're sitting (laughs) i can't believe you're sitting in a a folding chair with a pair of mittens that's so ridiculous like bernie sanders been there done that you know bought the mittens already uh you're done oh my god (laughs) so all you have to do is just be completely original at all times and completely authentic and it will totally work for you no that's not that's not hard just do that right yeah not hard at all not hard at all that's a hard question right like how to be authentic what what is authenticity for me and i think that's even sort of a feeling process and we start that with very tangible touch points of like who do you like out there what are other examples that you like put yourself in relation to that what is the experience how are you different and how are you the same you know i don't think we are all isolated people we're all an amalgamation of all the experiences that we've had so your brand will inevitably have influences that you've experienced over your life so even though it will become authentic and it will become your own because you are your own person in the case of a solopreneur we start that with very very tangible tangible places like very things that we can see and compare ourselves with so inside that authenticity vein as well you know this has been an insane time to be in real estate because what is even happening and two it's a crazy time to be on social media because what are you communicating like yeah there's so much to unpack with that and just thinking back is such a whirlwind because every month brought something different totally Um, you know especially when you are a solopreneur in a situation like that where you may not have a sounding board you know it was covid and then you know blm really took off and there was a lot of protests Mm -hmm tests and the civil unrest and and you know and everything throughout the summer and the election cycle and it was it was a crazy year and i saw at every stage people contending with themselves at a variety of different places even like like how can i even be saying anything on the internet like do i just need to be silent um do i need to you know what do i do like do i even have a right to run my business right now like um i don't know where i'm gonna be in three months like 
we lost like half of our business in March because, you know, people were just panic reorganizing their agencies and, you know, restructuring their businesses and they had to pull back. And so it was really, really difficult. So we ended up being a soundboard for a lot of people. And I think there was a lot of crisis messaging going out for sure. And then, you know, especially as real estate was deemed an essential service, people started getting a little bit more confidence back and things just started getting really, really crazy, you know, with everything going on and people started getting their confidence back over the months. And I think real estate is lucky because it is an essential service. And so nowadays at this point in this late stage, it's almost like how do we message to people from this new place in which we're all existing without saying over and over again, like, I know there's a pandemic going on, but or like, (laughs) uh, let me know about your like COVID activities or how COVID has affected this. And, you know, all of those things are really, really relevant and real. And at the same time, we're seeing a lot of like very homogenous messaging around the pandemic too. And I think having those conversations with my clients and saying like, you know, people still need something from you that's beyond panic. They still need something from you that's maybe isn't pandemic related or you still provide value here. People need to get away from their lives. They're looking to you for a service and for information. And you're still allowed to say all of those things, you know, even though there is a pandemic going on. It was rough in the beginning. Day to day, it was different. I felt for like from March to like June, it was just like, what am I going to wake up to? What are we going to have to like adapt to today? Um, I know. By the time the wildfires rolled around, I think all of us were just like, oh my God, we are so done on this year. It was like Black Lives Matter, the pandemic, Mm -hmm. the wildfires. You couldn't breathe the air. We're taping our freaking front doors. I mean, I will say that I was a little bit thankful though in that it got real estate agents to stop posting about coffee. I love me some real estate agents. I really do. But God damn people, do you really need to post 10 times a day about your cup of coffee and how much you love coffee? Like, (laughs) how do you spell basic? C-O-F-F-E. How do you spell coffee? I mean, it's just, just, come on, something else. At least they give us something else to talk about. That's a great point because the transformation that I saw a lot of my clients go through this year of really finding out what actually mattered to them to say was so amazing. Like there were clients that were in that position still or stuck in those aspects of not being able to own part of their story or really clinging to parts of the story that weren't totally them. And then you saw throughout the process, this process, they're like, no, I want to be in like youth homeless advocacy. No, like I I need to be talking about, you know, the food industry or, you know, I need to be talking about wellness in this capacity or my breath work in this capacity. You know, all of those things. I saw a lot of clients make that shift towards what was really, really, really important. My position on that is like, yeah, own that, move with that, move with what you are. You get to decide what your business looks like. And all of this is perfectly acceptable in in your, in your brand. Go with it. 2020 said, get real or get out. That's all there is to it at this point. Yeah. Yeah. In short, in short, it did. So do you have any stories either about some clients that you've had or kind of like a typical kind of client avatar for you? So-and-so comes to you, they're either a brand new agent or they've been in for a year or two and they're just frustrated. And what kinds of services you provided to them in the end result? Either we get a lot of real estate agents who have been in the business for quite a while and really like know that they need social media, but they don't want to do it. Or we get a lot of newer agents who know the power of social media because they were brought up with the power of social media and they want that to be a principle 
principal aspect of their marketing from the beginning. They don't want to do mailers. They don't want to do like sure. the old hat stuff. They want social and they want to own it completely. So those I would say are two pretty typical cases that come to us. And for the most part, we have full service clients. There's a lot of people that we help with aspects of the work. And, and also I think it depends on how involved in their own content creation they want to be because there is so much that goes into it. So if you want to be on YouTube or Instagram or you want to do video over photo or, you know, whatever it is that you need, uh, we create custom packages around that. So I would say uh, we get a few brand new accounts. And what I would say is, is that can be hard because especially on Instagram or Facebook, growing a brand new account, you have to go through a lot of proving yourself and, you know, a lot of like escaping the bots and a lot of there's a lot that goes into it. And then you kind of reach like this happy 2000 mark and things seem to start getting a little bit a little bit easier. And then you get closer to like five or six or 7000. And all of a sudden things are really, really, really picking up. So I would say one of our biggest accounts at the moment is just around 10,000. And we grew that one from 2000 within like the last year, just over a year, year mm -hmm. and a half, I mm -hmm. would say, which is a great, great, great client. We just learned eventually over time, the experimentation was in what content the audience wanted, much as you experience with your Instagram as well, that yeah, really totally. all of all that audience wanted was they wanted the best mid-century houses that were hitting the Portland, the PNW market today. That's what they wanted. And you know what they asked for, they get. So we just started pushing out houses on a daily basis, finding the best mid-century or, you know, contemporary homes that were hitting the market. And, and it did great. It just absolutely blew up. That's a, a great example of kind of like being responsive. There's what you can postulate and then there's what actually happens and sure. how you're willing to be adaptable within that, those two, within the A and B, I guess. Other clients, like they aren't really as focused on numbers. One of our other clients, we run their Instagram and you know, their Instagram is around like 2,500 now and it's a great lead generator. Even at 2,500, it's an excellent lead generator. And the supplement to that was that we also run their YouTube channel and their YouTube is a significant portion of their business now. And we built that over two years time from nothing mm -hmm. to where it is now. And they're almost totally maxed out in their service. So I say it's like with social media, you have to be analytical about where you should be, where are your clients at on the internet? What kind of content do you enjoy putting out? And then are you willing to, you know, kind of adapt with what you learn? Like if Instagram is not working for you, will YouTube or Pinterest or LinkedIn work better? What can clients expect their first couple of steps to be when working with you? And then what can they expect to pay for basically a consultant like you? Come to the table knowing that you want social media. And what I mean by that is if, if social media is going to be hard for you to embark on, if you don't believe that it can work for you, think about it. Are you a social positive person? You know, do you want that to work for you? And are you willing to put in the time? You can expect to have a good discovery call with us. They're usually around like 45 minutes where we really dive into all of the stuff that we talked about in this podcast. Like, what do you want your business to be? What is it doing for you now? Um, you know, what influences out there do you love and hate? Uh, what is your messaging going to be like? All of these things. And then clients can interface with us at a number of levels. They can either have an a la carte 
Art Package, which is great for someone who wants to own part of their social media and they want support on another part of their social media, or they can become a full service social media and content creation client. And usually those packages start around 1500 to 2000 for us, um, depending on whether you're like a solopreneur or a business, how many platforms you want run, how active you want that strategy to be and what your goals for that marketing is uh, or are. So our a la carte pa packages are usually typically a little bit lower. And then we also take on branding specific clients as well. And those are typically shorter clients, so mm -hmm. shorter contracts, like a few months. Sure. And I would say that those are around also the 1500 to $2,000 mark. We want to be an accessible service for the solopreneur and for the small business. That's mm -hmm. who we like working with are people who have a small marketing department or they're on their own. You know, they're really collaborative, you know, and they really just want help and someone to interface with. And depending on how much you want us to take that on, we'll totally drive it for you or you can be as involved as you want. Sure. So that's totally up to you. Yeah. The name uh, Numinous, how, where does it come from? Where, where does it tell the story? So numinous means to be in awe of what is before you. And it's used in a lot of like really old literature about like a scene that you're looking at that's particularly awe-inspiring. I first sort of, I was working in Greece at the time before numinous all started. And I had gone on this hike with my partner to this place called Vikos Gorge. And it's this gorge that not a lot of people know about, but it's kind of like the grand canyon of Greece and you get to it with this sort of unmarked path and you come out onto this stone platform that's literally at the precipice of like a sheer drop into nothing like you cannot even see the bottom and then there's just this expanse before you and it was something like it just gave me the shakes how powerful it was as a scene that unfolded before you out of nothing and it was truly numinous and so when I was thinking about the business I was thinking about that experience you know I want everybody to feel like their story can be out there and it can be awe-inspiring and you know that's just a matter of how we do it it's not an if it's just a how um, that's what we try to create is those awe-inspiring experiences and have people feel confident in the fact that they can put their story wherever they want it to be. Priscilla Kemp is the founder of Numinous Creative you can find her at numinouscreative.com or on Instagram at numinous.creative that's N-U-M-I-N-O-U-S is in the description. You'll see it there. You can find us at spade-archer.com. If you've got a story that you want to tell, reach out to us. Click on the podcast link. And thank you so much, Presida, for reaching out to us and saying, hey, I want to be in your podcast. I like it. It was fantastic. <laughs> thank you for having me. It was awesome. I really appreciate it. So enjoyed meeting you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It was awesome. Thanks. Our music is composed and performed by Joff Metz. You can find him at fivestarguitars.com, which, by the way, NAM, the National Association of Music, voted them the best shop in the world. They beat everybody else in the entire world at Five Star Guitars. That happened yesterday. That was really Ooh. cool. If you've got a story you want to tell, reach out to us. We'll talk to you then. Kelly, it's always a pleasure. Press a day. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. You guys do awesome, awesome work, and this has been great. This production of Behind the Yard Sign was brought to you live from the Spade and Archer Studios. Spade and Archer Design Agency is the world's first guaranteed home stager.